This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson, and this is episode 222. Richie Benno, yes. episode two D- for 22. Is there any, um, I don't know, cultural or mythological significance to 222? Mike Allen, um, can you look it up on the Church of Satan website? <laughs> Find yeah, out it's if a, it's like a third of Satan. Exactly. Yeah, it's like um, uh, what was that uh, TV show where they it was it Voltron, mm. where they're all the separate ones and then they join together to be Voltron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like that with the the beast. The beast is normally is in three separate parts: two, 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 and two, two, two. But then when you combine them all together, they become the beast. It's a holy trinity. It's an unholy trinity. Yeah, I was going to say it's an unholy trinity. So you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Does yeah. that mean if it's the opposite, would it be the daughter, the mother? And uh, what's the, and the unholy ghost? ghost. <laughs> <laughs> like a really horrible ghost that's just like, like you know, whispering pervy things in people's ears while they sleep. He's got a hole cut in his sheet. Casper the pervy ghost. I, I don't think pervy is the opposite of holy, is it? Evil. Well, is the well, it's unholy, evil, yeah. Well, I, was just, I wasn't trying to be too evil about what these ghosts were doing, but I guess, yes, an evil ghost of some kind. A ghost sex pest is what you're trying to say. Uh, now, Mike Hal has found some information on 222, which for some reason my chat window is not opening. Great, great. Uh, well, that would have been good. Oh, no, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Okay. So, Mike Hal, uh, the number two is all about relationships, partnerships, and cooperation. When you see 222, it means that the angels want you to pay attention to the people in your life as your relationships are playing an important role in your life direction right now. It yeah. is and when they say the angels, they mean the band, the angels. Yeah. The guys who saying, am I ever going to see your face again? No way, get fuck, fuck off. <laughs> well, this is our angel episode. So that means uh, we need to pay attention to the people in our lives and the relationships that are playing an important role in a, dis- in, in a life decision right now, you, on a life direction. Are you facing any about faces in a life direction, Will? You're at a crossroads well, I mean, like, of some kind, a spiritual and emotional crossroads? I'm constantly at a spiritual or emotional <laughs> crossroads. I'm trapped in a roundabout that is surrounding a crossroads. And I, it's impossible for me to like, I'm in at crossroads, except through some bad piece of urban life design, there's like 15 roads that all feed into this one crossroad yeah. and nobody knows which exit to take. And nobody, and there's just constant crashes and arguments. Yeah, yeah I am. I'm definitely that is, at a crossroads. That, that's literally the roundabout outside my apartment is uh, there is a thoroughfare. If you're, if you're in the eastern suburbs and you want to get from north to south and avoid all the traffic lights, you go past my street because it's, there's hardly any traffic lights. But there's a roundabout on my corner, which is basically Thunderdome. Like there are no rules. People don't give way to cars on their right. It's just first in, best dressed. And like, it is a constant fucking like, it's like daredevils constantly racing each other. So I imagine yeah, that's what your life is like. People chant, a- uh, two cars enter, one car leaves. <laughs> yeah. It's just a haphazard, one last man standing. Well, maybe that's why Mad Max was so mad. Road rage. Yeah. I mean, he was the road warrior. Was he the original road rage proponent? Yes, I believe he would have been. He was. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Because look, sure, if you put aside the fact that those bikies murdered his wife and child, if you just park that for a moment, it's really just road rage. It's really this dude is driving his custom car, which he's spent years, 
you know, polishing and rebuilding in his garage. He takes it out for a spin on the weekend and a bunch of yahoos, Will, a bunch of hooligans on motorbikes go zipping past him. It's like John Wick, isn't it? If you take out the yeah. bit where they murdered his dog, he's not really that nice a guy. <laughs> no. That's funny thing. That's it's straight up revenge films. Like that's it's got to be the perfect balance. Like something like Payback with Mel Gibson, I never really quite enjoyed because you know it's kind of Mel Gibson, and it's like I don't know that I want to see him going around, you know, being essentially Mel Gibson, but you know, shooting guns as well. But if you create circumstances, like I don't like revenge films where it's so brutal what's happened to the person, the woman or the man, that you know. That to go out in revenge. Like, I don't want to see gratuitous, like, you know, sex or violence or rape or anything like that. But you want to see something that makes you okay with mass slaughter, right? Well, that's so the thing about... So killing a puppy is perfect. Yeah, but that's the thing about those John Wick movies, because I love those movies. But it really is a disproportionate response to somebody murdering his dog. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's no way that on paper, like in the movie you justify it, they're like, well, he, they murdered his dog. It's okay that mm. he went on a three-week rampage where he murdered 250 people. But really, if you had to actually later on justify that, like in a court of law, they were like, uh, Mr. Wick, uh, it turns out over a three-week period you've murdered nearly 300 people. Uh, what do you say to that? You go, well, one of them killed my dog. I feel like the judge would be like, I still have some further questions. Well, they killed his dog and stole his car. So I don't know if that's a cure, <laughs> but it adds up to 300. But I guess you're right. To Objection, make it, to Your make Honor. It, I think you will find they also <laughs> stole his car. I think to make it fair, well, you know, he would have to kill, the guy who killed his dog, he'd have to kill something that he loves. So he'd have to kill his dog. But John yeah. Wick is a man of honor and wouldn't go kill an innocent dog. But if this guy's dog was a real prick of a dog, like John Wick, you know, kicks the door in and this guy's dog bites his leg, John can shoot it in the head and I think we'd all be justified. We're all square. I'm going to take my car back. Maybe I'm going to key your car on the way out. We're over. The movie goes for five minutes. Yeah, well, maybe that's the deal the bad guy should have tried to make. Like, after the first yeah. couple of people got murdered, the bad guy should have been like, you know what? We'll give you back the car and you can kill my dog and we'll call it even. <laughs> the dog's like, hey, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> what? From How real? the fuck did I get dragged into this? <laughs> Where do you rate Keanu in terms of, like, watchability? Is he, like, a, a Liam Neeson type? You're like, oh, Keanu's in something, or is it got to be that specific action film genre no 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 i'm unapologetically canoe's way um yeah. I, I like him in everything I, I, i'm not sure he's the everything? world's greatest actor but i like him in everything. even bram stoker's dracula well see here's what i would say there's an exception to every rule right yeah. and there's like and that's the case with everybody so there's not somebody that you could go they have 100 percent made movies that are good or movies that i enjoy but I would say that Keanu Reeves has probably the highest strike rate of like people that I would just go and watch something because Kanuna's in it. Kanuna, really? Yeah. Like more than, okay, let's see, more than uh, Christian Bale. Uh, yes. Yeah, because yes. ter Terminator Salvation really like dulled the curve on that one, didn't it? <laughs> what I would also say about Christian Bale is like, say I find some obscure movie on Netflix, right? And, like, it has uh, Liam Neeson on it, it has Keanu Reeves yeah. on it, or it has Christian Bale on it, and I'm just looking for something to, like, watch. I'm going to go Keanu, Liam, and Christian in that order, I would have thought. Yeah, Christian would be at the end for me. Yeah, I might be like, oh, this will probably, this might be arty. Yeah, if I haven't heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I might have to think. Well, is he going to be, be anorexic like, in this, uh, or like right. he's been method eating it up? I can't, I don't want to see him being like a method oh, or something like that. It's late at night. Uh, I'm not in the mood to be provoked <laughs> by art. <laughs> is there anyone new who's come on the scene? What about like, a, Jason Statham is a popular guilty pleasure choice, or Vin Diesel? I mean, The Rock, I don't think counts, because he's, he's just like mainstream megastar, but is there... Another B-type actor like a Statham or a, you know, Adam Sandler used to get a mention on this show. Well, I will say that The Rock does count because while The Rock might be an A-list actor, you know, like as in like, you know, movie star. Star power. Like a lot of his movies are only, you would only ever watch them because it's The Rock. Like yes. I watched Skyscraper the other night. Oh, you did? 
and 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 enjoyed it because yeah you know it's the rock and i was just like this is the most ridiculous film of all time but i'm loving it because this is the rock and it's a ridiculous film and i'm having a good time with it you know who i realized is one of those actors for me is woody harrelson I was watching Solo. I was in Brisbane the other day and they had Solo on my hotel TV and I watched it and quite enjoyed it. Like, again, not a big Star Wars fan, haven't really liked much of what they've produced lately. But I really enjoyed that film. And I think a large portion of it came down to the fact that Woody Harrelson was just being Woody Harrelson in the Star Wars universe. Like, there was no attempt to be like, I can't even remember what his character was, but it's, it's not like, hey, I'm Qui-Gon Glinglong, you know, the space gunsling or whatever. It was just like, literally, I'm Woody Harrelson. In fact, by the way, you know, when you say Qui Glong Gling Glong, it sounds like yeah. you're being racist against Star Wars characters. I don't know why, but that just sounds so racist. Like in the universe, you'd be like, he's one of those Qui Gong Gling Glongs. You know, you know what I mean. You know the type. Universe is full of Qui Gong Gling Glongs. This, this planet hasn't he- been the same since the Qui Gong Gling Glongs moved in. And then you see him on Sky News trying to justify it, saying, well, no, actually, what I was saying is the Qui-Gong Glinglongs are actually, they're doing really well. That's why everyone knows who they are. Yeah, exactly. I've just been accurate in my description of them. How can I be racist when we have takeaway food from the local Qui-Gong Glinglong every Friday (laughs) night? (laughs) But I was thinking about Woody Harrelson's career, and I'm like, it's pretty amazing that he's not really the most handsome guy. And he doesn't really sort of stick in one specific genre. Like he started off comedy and then he's done action, but then he's done like heavy, serious drama. It's like, that's a pretty incredible career. Like he can tra- he can move between serious art house and mainstream blockbuster really easily. And he's been doing it for like 30 years, 40 years. How long has he been a star now? Since the mid 80s, right? Well, Cheers was the mid 80s, right? Yeah. Okay, hang on. I'm going to Google Woody Harrelson. Because there was a period of time where it feels like people weren't Woody's way. But he's obviously in the last sort of five to ten years had like a big... Uh... Okay, without before you check it, like yep. let, let's see if we can, with our knowledge of Woody Harrelson's career, where oh we can God. pick where, the, where there's been a slump. So cheers, mid-80s, right? Yes. And then early 90s, white men can't jump, money train, the Wesley Snipes oh, kind of era. Yes. Of course. And then the, yeah. And then the late 90s was credibility grab with um, uh, uh, People versus Larry Flint. Yep. And then I reckon maybe things tailed off around the 2000s and then Zombieland brought him back. That's, that's going to be my prediction. What do you think? Okay. Well, that's pretty good. Like I, you've, done, you've done better than me. I'm going I've to – I've clicked on the page now. It's come up. So I'll give you a little uh, filmography. Um, yeah. So you're going to give uh, me a little Woody. I'm going to give you a little Woody, just a taste of Woody. Um, okay, television. Uh, he would Cheers. That was eighty-five to ninety-three. He he did two hundred episodes of Cheers. Okay, and two hundred uh, episodes. Fucking two hundred and twenty-fourteen. So like t- is, that, is that like ten years of Cheers then? How well, many he's done eighty-five to ninety-three. So yeah, probably eight or nine series. Holy shit! This guy's been famous forever. Well, 1985, and he's still famous now, so that's a lot. Uh, True Detective was huge in 2014. So that's he's got a lot of TV credits here, but they're your bookends. Cheers and then True yeah. Detective, right? Are you kind of, you know, uh, where it started and the most recent thing that he's done. Yeah, and if you're going to talk about, like, career growth, going from, like, the dumb hick behind the bar at Cheers to, like, a tortured Texan sheriff or whatever he was. Okay, so he'd already made one movie. Oh, as an extra. He'd appeared as an extra in 1978 in a movie called Harper Valley PTA. Love it. It's one of my favourites. And he was an extra in that film. That was his uh, first show business break. That's so how he got in, his SAG card. In 1986, uh, so this is now he's into his Cheers period, um, he has uh, appeared in a movie called uh, Wildcats. Oh, yeah, with Goldie Hawn. And then... It's a sport way- of kings, better than diamond rings. Wildcats. Do you remember that? Wow, it's a song at the end of Wildcat. No? All right. No. Moving on. I don't even remember the movie Wildcats. What was the... Premise? Oh, it's good. It's like, um, it's like Major League, but with an NFL team. She's a female coach who comes in and coaches uh, a team of brawny NFL dudes. Okay. 1989, she's having a baby. Um, mm-hmm. 19... Cameo. It not- doesn't count. It's a, ca- it's a cameo and she's having a baby. There's you know a whole what? bunch of cameos in the closing credits. 
as himself. You're absolutely right. He does appear as himself. What you so you don't think that counts? Uh, well, not really, because it's like it's just a cameo. Because uh, at the end, they just do like a celebrity roster of like, hey, happy congratulations on your baby or whatever. Yeah, but that's still you know like an appearance. They're not in a movie. selling the, f- but they're not selling it off him. I'm more no, interested no, no. in his. Okay, all right, fine. No, uh, in 1990, <laughs> I don't want to I've put only, Woody Rank on you. I've only acted twice, Charlie, in my entire life, and I, both times I was playing myself. So you've just invalidated <laughs> my entire acting career. I'm so sorry. Um, 1990, Cool Blue. Oh, uh, no, it is. 1991, LA Story. Ah. Oh. Doc Hollywood. Ah. Oh. Ted and Venus. So he's made three movies in 1991. Yeah, so not a not a great start. Doc Hollywood was a bit of a flop. Cool Blue, I've never even heard of. Uh, LA Ted Story, and, it says he's uncredited, so it kind of been a huge part in LA Story. Yeah, lump that in with she's having a baby. <laughs> okay, so we get to 1992, which is White Men Can't Jump. So this is Woody is a movie star now. Yeah. Because that's uh, his first like a leading lead role of those films, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, he follows that with another bona fide hit um, where he's the lead role in a movie with uh, a proposal, <laughs> indecent oh, proposal. What, what was it? In fairly indecent, Will? <laughs> it was a proposal of a not decent kind, Charlie. It's the opposite of a holy proposal. Yeah. Indecent proposal. So this is a good run. Uh, white men can't jump. Indecent Proposal, Natural Born Killers. So he makes yes. those three in a row, and then suddenly Woody Harrelson's a movie star. And it, it's funny too, because if you're grading them on a curve, one, mainstream fair, second one, still mainstream, but straying into sort of like, you know, more drama, and then the last one is out and out, like art house kind of schlock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, he also in 94 made a movie called The Cowboy Way. Yep, with Keeper um, Sutherland. And I'll do anything. Hang on. You sure that wasn't the first film he did? That sounds like the kind of film you do when you're first starting out. Uh, maybe it only got released that year. <laughs> maybe they yeah. found a tape. <laughs> Uh, all right. In 1995, uh, it was a movie about a train, a train money that train. might have been <laughs> had some sort of money involved with it, some sort of currency, yeah. Charlie. I think uh, the idea behind that film was we had magic with Wesley and Woody in White Man Can't Jump. Let's see if they can be the Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder of the mid 90s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, then he made The People versus Larry Flint, which is your Oscar yeah. bait. That's your, mm-hmm. you know, credibility movie. And then to follow uh, such a credible performance in a movie, he followed yes. it up with... Pluto Nash? <laughs> Kingpin. Ah! Oh. <laughs> I mean, he's having a great 90s. Like, really? Oliver Stone, the Farrelly brothers. It's like a who's who of 90s directors. Ron Shelton. That's amazing. A role originally uh, offered to Michael Keaton, but he pulled out to do multiplicity. (laughs) Sort of just moving from one sinking boat to another one, really, there, aren't you? Uh, The Sun Chaser was another movie he made that year. Uh, 1997, a couple of good films there as well. Wag the Dog, which was not a bad film. And uh, Welcome to Sarajevo. Then in 1998, he makes four movies. The Thin Red Line. Ooh. Oscar bait. Palmetto. Don't know. The high-low country. Nah. Welcome to Hollywood, playing himself, and under Charlie's rules doesn't count. <laughs> 1999. Play it to the bone. Boxing film. Ed TV. Oh, yeah. He's a supporting role there to a young, brash Matthew McConaughey. The, the seeds of uh, what would become True Detective, I imagine. Uh, Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, playing himself cameo, in a cameo. Doesn't, doesn't count. count. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and narrated a movie called Grass. Hmm. I wonder what that was about. 
uh, in the year 2003. Oh, so he, okay, so there's a break. Between 1999 yeah. and 2003, he hasn't made a movie. And so that's around about the time, because I used to get um, Premiere magazine back in the day, around about this time, uh, which was a film magazine. And I remember reading an article once where the guy had gone around to spend a few days with Woody. And that was when Woody was like meditating every day and doing yoga. And he was, I believe he was a, like he only ate raw food. Like when you went into his kitchen, he had a tree that grew in the center of his kitchen and he like climbed the tree and like got an orange or something and gave it to the journalist. Do you want to just like, Michael, can you do a, a, a just a sub search for that? Was it true that Woody Harrelson had a tree in his kitchen or, and only ate raw food? Um, all right. so Like 2000- a monkey. And ironically, he would go on to star in, was it like Beyond the Planet of the Apes or Kill the Planet of the Apes? As this person who hates monkeys. <laughs> 2003, he has appeared in the movie Anger Management. Good film. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's that that, that's got to be a cameo as well, right? Not as himself, no? but a cameo. Well, not as himself. He plays a security, security Gary in Anger yeah, Management. Yeah, that's a cameo. Uh, go further, he plays if himself. The name so. of your, if the occupation of your character is in the character's name, that's a minor role. <laughs> Police have a John. lot of rules about what counts as a role. <laughs> Didn't realize that actors had so many levels of like, there's an extra, and then there's a guy playing himself, that doesn't count. And then if the name of your character's occupation is also in the job description, uh, that doesn't count. Well, well, and it's, there's, when you get sent a script, if someone says, hey, we'd like you to take a look at this role, if the character has their job description in the name, or they don't even have a name. They are just a job description, like police officer one. Chances are it's not going to be a substantial part. <laughs> uh, all right, fair enough. Um, well, he played security Gary in anger management. He played himself, so it doesn't count, in Go Further. Uh, Is there any other played- actor who has played themselves more often than Woody Harrelson <laughs> in the history of cinema? I mean, it seems like a lot. Uh, uh, Patton is certainly emerging of him playing himself <laughs> in a lot of things. Um, and then a movie called Scorched. Which I don't remember. No. Um, 2004, again, After the Sunset, She Hate Me. Again, not much there. Now, uh, well, would, you ag- would you agree at this stage, the lofty heights of the 90s? As I predicted, he had a real ascent in the 90s. He hasn't really found that. Where's the white men can't jump or the, or the Larry Flint of the 2000s? Hasn't had one yet, has he? No, absolutely not. No, his last big hit was because Spy Who Shagged Me played himself, as we said, doesn't count. So really, the biggest movie he's been in, the last really big one was oh, The Thin Red Line in 1998. He's done a few other things, but maybe Ed TV. And again, but- yeah. I mean, he's, he's part of a huge ensemble in The Thin Red Line. You wouldn't say it's a Woody Harrelson yep. film. And he's a supporting character in Ed TV. So I reckon he's... His agent round about this time is sifting through skips, scripts, maybe even taking calls about White Men Can't Jump too, which would be called White Men Can Still Jump. Uh, white Men Still Can't Jump. Yeah, right. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> or White Men Can Jump now. I guess that's okay. White Men Learned to Jump in the previous movie. Remember? Um... It was called uh, Black Men Can't Vote. It had a really different theme. Spike Lee directed it. It was very political. Um, All right. Uh, 2004, After the Sunset, She Hate Me. 2005, North Country. Hang on. Are you mispronouncing that or is it called She Hate Me? She Hate Me. Not She Hates Me. She Hate Me. No. She Hate Me. Okay. Uh, North Country. The prize winner of Defiance, Ohio, The Big White. Now, this has been a streak. Like, Mm. he hasn't been in a decent movie since Anger Management at this point. Um, (laughs) And the fact that you say hasn't been in a decent film since Anger Management really says everything. Yeah, where he played Security Gary. His (laughs) His last decent role is as Security Gary in uh, Anger Management. Apparently, She Hate Me is a Spike Lee joint. So Spike Lee was probably obviously went to him with, you know, Black Men Can't Vote. He's the movie about voter deregistration. And he said, you know what? I'm happy to look at another project, Spike, but I feel like this one's too on the nose. 
Um, all right. Uh, uh, so the big white, free Jimmy, a scanner darkly in 2006, a prairie home companion. Again, not really a great period for Woody. No, uh, where's the signature film? He needs a John Wick type film. The Walker. Uh, and then about, a little movie uh, about called... Australian cricket commentator Max Walker. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then yeah, um... yeah good day, good day, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I haven't done a Max Walker in fifteen years. That was my best. Hang on, uh, good day. Yeah, hang on. How's it go? Uh, yeah, good day, Rich. Yeah, how does what's the Max Walker sound like again? He's nasally, right? Yeah, I, I think yeah. you find it's a little. Yeah, that's John Maxie Howard. Walker. Oh, yeah. got a book. It's called How to Hypnotize Chooks. I think you'll find it's a little more than four and a half inches, Rich. Rich. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez, Rich. Oh, is that, I don't know. It's been a long time. It was Max Walker or John Howard. It was close. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Okay, well, that's a big hit. Good film. And, no Country for and Old an Men. And Osc- an Oscar film, and he had a quite a significant part in that. Spoilers. Spoilers, he dies halfway through the film, which is a shock because you think he's the hero. Uh, then he follows that with a movie called Battle in Seattle. Nah, Never is that about Pearl, Pearl Jam versus Nirvana? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, the, played... it's the, sec- the secret untold story of Nirvana and Pearl Jam's underground fighting club. <laughs> and you know, it was, the first scene is really shocking because Kurt Cobain kicks the shit out of Eddie Vedder, and as the rest of Pearl Jam are dragging him out of the cage, he's singing, Oh, I'm still alive. Oh, <laughs> oh boo. Oh, I'm still alive. Oh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Battle in Seattle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Grand and Nanking. Nanking? Nanking, I guess. Nanking. Nanking. Not nanging, the uh, the process of sucking nitrous oxide from a bulb. Yeah, that's what it was. It was a movie about nanging. nanging. <laughs> <laughs> White men can't nang, it was called. <laughs> Original title. They certainly can, because when I go for my walks in the morning around those cliff tops, I often find a few bulbs on the ground. I'm like, certainly this area is filled with a lot of white men. So just on percentage-wise, white men can nang. <laughs> Um, all right, so no country for old men's a bit of a comeback, but still, it is kind of a blip in a you know an ocean of you know mediocrity. What year are you at with what uh, with uh, no country? Uh, so no country is the year two thousand and seven. So, so it's had been a, what ten, ten years of middling, yeah. middling success. Yeah, I would say so. Absolutely, after a really good streak for a while. Um, all right, now things start to turn around a little bit, a little okay. bit. Uh, semi-pro, uh, not a bad film oh, yeah. in retrospect. It was a bit of a flop at the time, but it actually, I think it's one of those movies that actually gets gets a bit better. It's held up okay. Does it? Does it really? Um, I watched it recently and enjoyed it more than I imagined that I was going to. I mean, I know that's not a ringing endorsement, <laughs> but... Semi-pro is like one of those titles that when you're out at someone's house and you see their DVD collection, it's all the kind of usual suspects of what you'd expect to see. But then there's like a semi-pro. You know, like everyone has that one DVD in their collection that you're like, wow, that's odd. You've got Crossroads with Britney Spears? Yeah. You're like semi-pro. Uh, you were buying some other uh, Will Ferrell movies and they threw this yeah. one in for free. This <laughs> yeah. was like part of a box set of some kind. I see yeah. you have uh, Anchorman, Anchorman 2 and Semi-Pro. <laughs> we have uh, Don't Mess With The Zohan in our DVD collection because when the trailers for that came out, Gemma is like, there is no way I will ever see that film. So I bought it for her that Christmas. <laughs> I'm planning to get it the Blu-ray this year. I mean, it's a very tasteful film. I mean, particularly the bit where the, I think it's the, is it, what is it, the Israeli characters keep shooting hummus yeah. at each other? That's one of the plot lines, isn't it? I think, doesn't he give a massage with his enormous dick at one stage as well? He does something with his enormous dick. I can't remember. Opens a can or opens a door or something. Uh, Semi-pro sleepwalking, trans-Siberian, surfer dude, management. Matthew McConaughey. 
Uh, seven pounds. Oh, don't bring up that freaking movie again. Or is it 21 grams? What did we got confused somewhere? Which one, which one's the Will Smith one? I, I feel like if you went around to Woody Harrelson's place, you might find seven pounds or 21 grams. I think you'd be in their collection. You'd find both. Um, all right. Uh, 2009, uh, the messenger Defendor, zombie land. Well, well, defend or what? <clears throat> oh, defend it's not or defend run away. Or question the mark. Title. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's called defend or give in weeping. Yeah, defend or attack. A batting coach documentary. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, as zombie as land. predicted. Now this is where I predicted his comeback begins go yes uh zombie land and then uh the movie 2012 um as in the year all right 20 oh is that that was the apocalypse film right yeah the uh mayan um, calendar turns out they were just yeah they were only about 10 years short of the actual apocalypse <laughs> so they weren't far out 2022 <laughs> Um, could you could you make okay, a Roland Emmerich type disaster film about what's happening now, or is it just too real? Like, could you soup it up and Hollywoodify it, and you know, like you you couldn't really, could you? It's just way too real. No, you but you'd be like, I can't. You're never going to believe it. We've shot this amazing scene where we're going to like CGI the entirety of like Malibu on fire. You'll see all these rich celebrities' houses, and there'll be like raging fires, and the sky will be purple and pink, and it'll just look. And everyone's like, "Um, Roland, hey Roland, just a second. <laughs> I hate to interrupt you mid pitch, but uh, have you turned look on out the, the news? window?" It's going to be great. Like, there'll be a reality star who's like the president. We'll get like Donald Trump or whatever. Is he still making The Apprentice? Roland, again, I know you've been overseas for a little while, but I just... And this is why you should never have a pitch meeting when you've just woken up from a coma. (laughs) Exactly. He's like, no, one of the characters is this like eccentric billionaire who's mastering clean energy and shooting things into space. He wants to colonize Mars, but... He also occasionally goes on Twitter and calls like, you know, hero rescuers pedophiles. Again, Roland, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, weirdly, how accurate these things are, but I need to just for a second. We'll get Harvey Weinstein to produce it. Okay, Roland, we really need to... <laughs> we were uh, ahead of the game, I feel, on the, uh, uh, the Elon Musk backlash. Like, we talked about him a while back in the uh, classic Tofop episode, Sus on Musk where we were saying, oh, he seems too good to be true, but something about him... I mean, I didn't predict the going online and accusing people of being pedophiles. Brave dive rescuers. Uh, All right. Where are we up to? We're up to... um, Zombieland. So this is like where you've predicted the the proper comeback starts. Okay. So um, the movie 2012, but we're only up to 2010. So in 2010, he only makes one movie. After so, your zombie land hit, uh, which is called Bun Raku, where he plays the bartender, his uh, second role as a bartender in his life. Then, uh, he's in a movie called Friends with the Benefits. Um, he narrates a movie called Ethos, and then he appears in a movie called Rampart. Oh, yeah, that's a good film. He plays a, a cop, he plays a, a, a lawless cop called Dave Brown. All right. Now, this is where things really start to, like, he's getting on a run now. So, 2012, uh, the first movie in the Hunger Games franchise. Then, he follows that with Seven Psychopaths, which is an excellent film. Um, Then, Game Change. And then, in 2013, How to Make Money Selling Drugs, he appears as... Security Guard Rick. Himself, yet another cameo as Woody Harrelson. (laughs) Um, Now You See Me, which uh, is a long con magic movie that everybody hated and I loved. It's like, this is, when you're talking about guilty pleasures, 
the movie yeah. Now You See Me has got to be right up in the like the difference between the quality of the movie versus how much I enjoy the movie. There's probably no uh, modern movie that uh, represents that better than the magic movie Now You See Me. Um, out of the furnace, free birds as a voice, Jake voice. And uh, in 2013, the second in the Hunger Games movies, the Hunger Games Catching Fire. See, this is what I was saying he needed through the 2000s. Like, he needed a franchise. Because all those, the films that he made in the 90s, they weren't really franchisable, were they? Because they weren't based on pre-existing things. They weren't superhero characters or a John Wick type character that you could just put in another scenario. So that whole kind of 2000s period, I reckon he was searching for you know, what he can cash in on. Hunger Games, perfect. So, uh, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 in 2014, followed in 2015 by The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. Now, doesn't do any other movies in that period of time, though, 2014, 2015. Um, but is that when he's doing True Detective? Is that around when Sounds that would have been? right. Yeah, so that so. would have been around that time. Yes, uh, so Okay, so is it? Yeah, so he's in the middle of the true detective then, so that makes sense. Um, in 2016, he makes the movie Triple Nine. He makes Now You See Me Too. Does not oh. hold up to the original, unfortunately. <laughs> um, still watchable, but doesn't hold up to the original. Uh, the Duel, uh, LBJ, oh. where he plays Lyndon Johnson, which which he's ex- excellent in. And the movie The Edge of Seventeen, which is um, uh, a very entertaining film. I like that as a coming-of-age uh, film and I, I thought that was really fun. Uh, in 2017, Woody's like, I am available. I've hung out my shingle. I've come off the back of my success on uh, True Detective. I'm ready to cash some checks. He makes one, two, three, four, five, six movies in 2017, Whoa. which is a Holy lot. Holy shit. Uh, so he is the writer, director, and producer of a movie called Lost in London, where he plays Charlie. Himself? Himself. <laughs> You're fucking he wrote, kidding directed, me. and produced the movie where he played himself. You've got to count that. That counts. That counts. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, Michael, can you Google, uh, I want to see if it's possible, which person has appeared as themselves the most times in movies? See if there's a. It'd be a an interesting question. Yeah, it has to be an actor. I mean, it can't be like Donald Trump did celebrity cameos in every film in the '80s or whatever. It's like what actors have played themselves. As I continue to expand my algorithms, I regularly find myself learning new abilities. I now have the ability to capture brief messages from Will and Charlie from the future. So, without further ado, a message. From the future, from the president and CEO of Tofop Industries, Charlie Clausen. Hey guys, uh, we're going to be doing a new episode next week. And if you can guess which actor has appeared as themselves the most times in movies and TV, you'll win a Tofop sticker book. Write down your answers to our Facebook page or Twitter and Mike will sort it out somehow. <laughs> He plays Wilson in the movie Wilson, uh, which is, of course, was about the volleyball uh, from that island yeah. with Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, exactly. It's just the volleyball alone on the island. It wasn't quite as successful. It was a bit deflating. <laughs> oh, boo. You uh, give me two boos this episode. Spike. <laughs> it was directed by Spike Lee. Uh, All right, that's better. Yeah. Do you want to know what its net worth was? Anyway, that's Fuck all off. I've got for volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> it was set on a beach. So I guess it was a beach volleyball movie. Um, he makes the movie War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Uh, Which... We lose. Yeah, no, he was the... Spoilers. Was the spoilers, the apes win. I can't work... I can't remember because I know Gary Oldman was in... One of those as well. I feel like, were they in the same film or are they villains of different of those eight movies? But I kind of feel I mean, like they were dude, different ones. Yeah, you're right. It's too, too many bad guys for one film, right? 
Yeah, Woody Allen is the big uh, bad, big bad in that one from memory. He Wood- plays that kind of like um, Woody Allen. Sorry, yeah, Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Woody Allen is a big bad villain in a lot of respects, but I don't think it's young monkeys that should be scared of Woody Allen. <laughs> it's another species of infant. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, no, Woody Harrelson. He plays a, like a you know fucked up army general uh, in that. It's easy. it's really good. Um, the Glass Castle or the Glass Castle, depending on where you're from. Uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh fuck! Of course, isn't and that too? Sh- shock and awe. So shock I would and awe, arg- not shock I would and argue awe. that. So Zombieland was in 2010, was it, or after 2010? Mm, 2009 or something. I thought it was 2009. All right. Well, let's say it's 2010, <laughs> for the sake of making my point. His last decade has been his best in terms of com- combining hits and Oscar bait compared to his 90s, which would be his second best period. His 2000s were nothing by his standards, but you'd say that the last 10 years, last decade has been his... He's only gotten better. He's gone from strength to strength. Well, he had a, yeah, he had a good 90s. He had a tough early 2000s, and then he's yeah. had a good... This, this decade's been good to him. Um so uh, in 2018, Solo, a Star Wars story, Venom. Yep. Uh, is in Venom? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Oh, I haven't seen it either. Uh, and in 2019, he already has on his slate uh, a movie called The Highwaymen and a movie called Midway. Is The Highwaymen a remake of that 80s action series starring Jacko? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is. He plays Mark Jacko Jackson in The Highwaymen. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, do you remember that show? Who the knows Highway these Man? days what, what, what counts as a movie? It could well be. <laughs> Hang on. I'm going to click on The Highwaymen and see. Uh, here we go. Uh, there we go. We've already got some uh, information about it. Fantastic. Uh, the Highwaymen is an upcoming American crime film directed, directed by John Lee Hancock, written by John Fusco, and starring Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. Interesting. Um, plot. Here we go. The Highwaymen wait, follows wait. Texas. I was going to say, let's guess. Is it, It's a Western or a cop uh, Western? American crime film, it says. So okay. If, no, go. Continue. I've got nothing. Uh, the Highwaymen follows Texas Ranger Frank Hamer and partner Manny Galt. The lawmen were out of the ranges by the time Bonnie and Clyde started their robbery reign, but were commissioned as special investigators, coaxed by a consortium of banks to assemble a posse and end the robbery spree of the notorious gang reputed to have killed 13 cops and others. Okay, so they're the, the gang that have got together to hunt down the... It's kind of a, a Young Guns style yeah, scenario. scenario. Yeah, suicide mission type. It's Suicide yeah. Squad. <laughs> So well, there you go. Me, I think it puts rest to the idea that stoners aren't hardworking because that dude has had quite a career. I mean, even in that dry period, he was still working a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, hang on. Let's uh, see if I can find some um, uh, little just tidbits about Woody Harrelson that might be interesting. I guess the here. question about Woody Harrelson is that, having said that, and he has had these hit films... You don't ever really go to see a Woody Harrelson film, do you? Like, of all those films, which of those was a Woody Harrelson movie? Because, like, White Men Can't Jump, it was really about the two guys. Well, I guess um, People vs. Larry Flint, that was his tour de force. Yeah, but it was about Larry Flint, not about Woody Harrelson necessarily, if you know what I mean. Like, Which is bizarre, because was... there's about a hundred films where he's playing Woody Harrelson. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a raw vegan. Apparently, Harrelson follows a raw vegan diet. Yes. Um, along with not eating meat or dairy, Harrelson do- also does not eat sugar or flour. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, in Zombieland, where he plays a character with an affinity for Twinkies, the Twinkies were replaced with vegan faux Twinkies made from cornmeal. Uh, he appeared on a postage stamp as one of Peter's 20 famous vegetarians. And he was named Peter's Sexiest Vegetarian in 2012. Right. 
I mean, it's definitely working for him because he's kind of ageless too. Like, if you had to guess, or do you know how old he is? Like, he sort of feels like he's been I about the same age for the last 20 years. I'm going to guess and say uh, he's 55. Yeah, I would have guessed about 55. I don't actually know, but I can flick up to the top and find it out. Uh, 1961, which means that he's, what, 56 probably? 57. 56, 7, 57. Um, yeah, just turned 57. Yep. I mean, he doesn't look like... When I think of someone who's almost 60, I don't think of them looking up Woody Harrelson. I think that's the vegan yoga exercise combo, right? How many times has he been nominated for an Academy Award? I'm going to say twice. He has three times been nominated... Motherfucker. ...for an Academy Award. What? He was so nominated for Best line. Actor for The People versus Larry Flint. Yeah. Supporting Actor for The Messenger and uh, Three Billboards. Uh, yeah, How many times uh, was he nominated for an Emmy? Oh, I mean, he's on that show. He's on Cheers for 10 years. So, uh, I'm going to say eight. Uh, five times. Five times, one, one. Oh, like Booker T. The five-time, 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 <laughs> five-time Emmy nominee. Yeah, that, that's what he actually did at the, his yeah. final Emmy. He walks in and he constantly just does the Booker T thing where he like puts his yeah. hand in there. It gets his Emmy and then does a spinneroony. <laughs> Google spinneroony if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's worth your while. Um, all right. Well, there you go. That's Woody Harrelson. Cool. Well, why don't we? Um, we're gonna. We're gonna. Well, you and I will. We're gonna stick around and, and record another episode because we're taking a week off and we wanted to stretch this out over two weeks. We've got a lot of letters to get through. A lot of TOEFL correspondence. So. Um, why don't you and I take a little break for now? But for everyone listening, you'll be waiting a week to hear part two of this, which will be your Tafopaspondence. Hello? Will? Yeah, no, I think that's a good idea, Charlie. I'm, <laughs> I'm into it. Sorry, I was, I was just looking up Woody Harrelson-related uh, things. I suddenly realized that there's a... It's just I, I'm, I'm more fascinated by Woody Harrelson than I imagined that I was. Did, did you know his father was a contract killer? What? Where did All we right. not even I, get to I that? Guess we're doing, I guess we're doing part two with Woody Harrelson when we come back. <laughs> so yeah, tune in okay. next um, week. Uh, look, you'll hear part two of this conversation, but Will, do you have things to promote? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, uh, the Sydney Comedy Store, I will be doing uh, my work in progress shows at the Sydney Comedy Store from uh, the 7th to the 15th, I think, of December. And... Uh, they're over 50% sold out already. So chances are they'll all sell out by uh, the time they start. So if you want to come and see me do my work in progress shows, I would recommend booking sooner rather than later for that. Um, uh, and uh, look, uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival is probably going to be on sale really soon before uh, Christmas. It normally goes on sale. So um, if you're somebody who wants tickets to my Melbourne Comedy Festival show, uh, look out for those as well. Um, James Fosdyke has done the new art. Uh, he sent it through the other day. Um, I've been living with it for about a week, Charlie. And uh, I have it as my screensaver, but Amy has mm. been away and she got home and I was showing her the new art last night. And she says, uh, you know that... Um, uh, vine that you know I'm anyway people will see it when they see it but essentially I'm sitting down and there's like some vines wrapping around me and she says one mm. of them's pointing directly at your dick like directly yeah. at your dick and she goes it's yeah. all I can look at like it's it's essentially like this vine that's pointing just directly at your groin and I hadn't noticed it but once mm. she pointed it out it was all you could look at so yesterday, See, I, James and I had to have some correspondence over, uh, <laughs> probably just making sure it didn't point at my dick quite as much. But the thing about James is that you never know. Like, do you remember when he did our new Tofop artwork in 2014? And it was a drawing of you and I gripping a microphone and he sent us the rough like pen drawings or the, you know, the pencils or whatever. And I was convinced because the microphone in the foreground was damaged. And so like the head of the microphone was split into like a little cut of cone shape. And then there was a hole at the top of it. And I was like, he's put a dick in our hands. And you were like, I don't see it. And I'm like, I'm sure like it, he's, he's trying to put a dick in our hands. We can't approve this. And you didn't buy it. We showed it to Hamilton. He didn't buy it either. And so I sent a very terse email to Fosdark saying, mate, come on. Look, we want some new artwork. Don't put a dick in our hands. And he swore that he wasn't putting it. I had just Rorschacht it into existence. But that's only off the back of knowing what he's capable of. Also, I think that perhaps he's just drawn dicks into things so often that he now draws dicks into things without thinking. 
Like, <laughs> he, he doesn't even know that he's drawing dicks into things. It just comes out as a theme in his work that even he, they're like, you know, they're subliminal dicks. If you want to support this dick-loving show, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash tofop. If you want to get in touch, you can go to tofop.com. And while you're there, you might want to check out some of our other great podcasts. Will, I believe that there's a best of philosophy... I can't even say it. There's a best of philosophy compilation out at the moment. Yeah, there is. Um, so if you want to support Willosophy, you can just uh, join up the Tofop Patreon for a start. Secondly, we've opened up all the levels, haven't we, of the Tofop Patreon. Yep. So if you join up, you can access all the content that is there, which is like, you know, uh, Quantum Cop, James's, uh, you know, art that he's done, his comic strip. There's so many cool extras as well as some, you Quick know, recordings Q&A and videos the live Will stream replay and there's going to be a bunch of other stuff as well so like join up for you know as little as a dollar a month or whatever and you can access all that excellent uh extra content it is well worth it so do that but yes uh young podcast mike uh michael liberale has uh liberale has um put together some themed episodes of some sort of previous philosophies so uh the first one that went up was around comedy and the second one that's just gone up today uh when we're recording this is around uh, mental health um and so different guests you know talking on similar themes and he's done a really fantastic job with them so if you could listen to them that'd be great and even if you don't listen to them if you could download them because we've finally got a sponsor for that podcast and so it'd yeah. be great if heaps of people at the very least downloaded it so those numbers look good for our new sponsor so at the very least even if you've listened to all the old philosophies i would recommend having a listen to them in theme shows anyway i reckon michael's done a really really good job of finding stuff that works really well together and i think um it's a really great way of repackaging those so uh there'll be two of those a week until we run out of those and then uh there's going to be some new episodes of philosophy coming up uh in the kind of soonish future there's also a couple of new fofops that have been up for a couple of weeks now but um it's worth reminding people of that because uh you know there hasn't been a new fofop since april so you might have unsubscribed or whatever if you subscribe to that there's a dave anthony episode there's a gareth reynolds episode they are both worth checking out all right, so uh, tune in next week to get part two of Woody Harrelson and your type of respondents. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.